everybody and welcome to Talk Assassin's Creed, your number one podcast for all things Assassin's Creed. Now this is very weird, because normally we'd have James' beautiful interlude of what we are doing and the episode number, which I did have written down but I've lost it, so I'm going to lose points for professionalism to James, so I apologise, but James is on holiday. Now, our scheduling has had some shakes. We didn't anticipate the Derby episodes um, taking so long to be just greenlit. So at the moment we are literally planning episode after episode and it's all getting crammed. So we, James was on holiday when we actually thought, thought everything was going to be sorted. So everything's gone crazy. So today we will be talking about the future of the franchise and you get to listen to my beautiful serenading voice all the way through it. But to save you the misery of listening to me waffle on on my own, I have roped in some help from a friend who has been way too long since I've dragged him onto the show to say hello. It's iCrake. Hey everyone. It's great to be back. So, I yeah. Know. When was so the last? Long. What was the last episode again? Was it the industry chat? It was with uh, Memo and I'm sorry if, if I miss somebody. And it was with James as well. Basically, we talked about. Uh, it was before James joined in um, officially into the Let's Talk DC. Um, if I'm not wrong, we were talking heavily into Mass Effect for some reason. Uh, about how the industry needs to change a bit and something about along those lines. But I forgot about that because we've been so many jobs. And that was the last thing that I remember uh, as we did together in the podcast. It's been too long. I think my philosophy is always trying to, you know, get friends on the show, community members. But I will admit I didn't really expect this show to grow as big as it did. So trying to like drag all my friends back on, I'm like I'm sorry, let me just shuffle my driver around. <laughs> I've got so many ideas. I want to talk about unicorns. I don't actually want to talk about unicorns. Please don't at me. How dare you <laughs> ignore the unibears? <laughs> just kidding. The, the unibear is so cute. Yeah, I know, but uh, it'll make your after pretty happy at this moment. I, I really find it funny, and I know I'm probably going to get some stick for this, but technically anything they add in as an an animus glitch is canon. So technically the uni bear, even though it's an animus glitch, is canon. Any so, one microtransaction over there is canon, unfortunately. Because it is the animus glitch that we had. We also had cheats for AC2, which had the Raiden costume, if I'm not wrong. Uh, and unicorns too. So it's been there a long time back. I don't. I don't mind it. You know, I, I. I'm not really too fussed about as long as MTX aren't really intrusive. If the cosmetic, yeah, I get. I really understand with Valhalla. There's a lot more MTX armor sets and a lot less yeah. base. I, I get the issue. I My don't issue... like cosmetics as well, and it, I hope that they deviate the predatory practices of introducing overpowered weapons into the MTX scheme, and which was the case and. Was reported as well. I will admit though, and I'm not trying to play like um thing, but 
I will say that Valhalla's MTX is a lot less predatory than Odyssey's. But it's costly. Because, yeah, it's fucking costly. Yeah. But it's just, in Odyssey, because it was build-based, mm-hmm. them MTX sets, I think I saw a really insane assassin build that could one-shot everything, but you needed the £15 set from the start for it to work. Like, yeah. that's bad. Like, oh, let's build an assassin build. Yes, you can use in-game armor. or pay £15 to make the it work bad. What if I told you right now that fifteen pound for the same thing in Valhalla, you're going to pay about like thirty pound. This is double the price. Yeah, and I mean that actually ties in with the future of the franchise because yeah. it's funny that everyone is here complaining about M- microtransactions and stuff. But what if I told you that this isn't the future of the franchise, but it's actually the past. It could be. Um, considering how the trend is going and they're starting to feel the effects as well uh, where the post-launch where they thought they could glean more money from from the fans they're not able to do so anymore and uh, they had the like in, in terms of financial success it's pretty great but the engagement is still not there and that's what they're trying to achieve um, so they probably are wor- reworking on that which is why we they're also going back into the linear fashion as reported, um, so just hoping that it would catch up on that uh, and bring sort of like bring back the pace that the fans wanted, and hopefully conclude the series for what seems to be more than fifteen years at this point. But I think as well, when we like, if we touch briefly uh, on the MTX, um, I've been playing Syndicate and Unity once again just because mm-hmm. I like revisiting and. The microtransactions in them are more predatory than Valhalla. Like, if you buy the XP boost in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, if I remember correctly, because I did buy it on my second playthrough, because, you know, I wanted my new game plus to be a bit faster, um, that's a a permanent buff. You know, you buy it and it's permanent. But in Syndicate, the XP boost, because there's two, there's an XP and a resource booster, is two hours for $5.99. I so, would say I would say Odyssey is more predatory, um, but that's mainly because what I feel is that how they set it up for getting that XP boost is very predatory in nature. Um, because in Syndicate, even though even though there is the XP boost option, um, you technically are not gated by it. Whereas in Odyssey, because of the level scaling, you need more XP to to. Uh, get it through to I uh, progress through the story to progress through the enemies, and uh, I find that extremely predatory in a way that it forces the consumer to go towards. It forces you that because now there's a tougher enemy and it's going to waste so much of your time, you are compelled to like. Hey, there is a time saver option of paying five pounds of uh, permanent boost, even though the percentage would is not as great as what is there in Syndicate or, or the other games. Um, it compelled you to do that, and in Syndicate it did not. I, I could totally ignore that and still progress through my actions, through my challenges, and still gain my XPs and my skills accordingly. 
Which is, you know, very fair, isn't it? I think I'm a bit... I didn't find that I needed the uh, XP boost, honestly. But then again, I play games like Dark Souls. So I'm used to things being tough as hell, so... But I think for me, what I find a bit more predatory about the Syndicate side is not that it's ignorable, because it is, I do agree. Like, I've never noticed it before. This is my first time I've seen it. It's more the fact of that it's five ninety nine for two hours. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion... It, I think it cost um, me a fiver to get the right amount of Helix credits to get it in Odyssey for life. But if I want to do a 12-hour playthrough of Syndicate, that's 6 times 5.99. So that's like near enough £35. But again, for... that's that's expecting that you would use it entirely. and Yeah, <laughs> that's still a bit... Uh, it's a bit unfair, you know, oh, two hours. Again, you are right, you don't need it, but... Two hours, pay this money, money. Oh, two hours, pay a bit more. Two hours, pay a bit more. Two hours, pay a bit more. It's like, come on, series, slow down. I'm not going like, to keep paying my card for this XP boost that I don't even need. So what's the point? But I would say that's because it started, the model started from Syndicate for being aggressive. And then it became even more predatory in a nature for the subsequent series onwards. Uh, even what though I- Unity started with the microtransactions, it was mainly cosmetic and to increase up your leveling up way. But even then, you can earn that through your playstyle, through playing through the game and um, through uh, multiplayer missions, which is still fun to this day. I still enjoy playing it by myself uh, and with some of the buddies, for example, Memento Gallery. Um, he still plays Ace Unity. His videos are still popular to this day. Um, then there is the issue with the microtransaction with Syndicate is that even though it exists, it is not on your face. It does not compel you to be like, hey, I'm restricting your progress so much that you're compelled to buy it. So that is what I felt with Origins. Even though it was there, it was not on your face. I felt that heavily with Odyssey. And the same with Valhalla. Mainly because of the large skill tree, which I didn't find useful. I think the one with Unity that I've heard a lot of people talk about that I really don't understand is you can get um, time-gated XP boosts for the multi um, for the multiplayer side only, which is very weird. Why would you want to pay money to get an XP boost in the multiplayer side instead? Like why like what's so the point were, so i think they were trying to play around like the gacha games in mobile industry where uh you pay more to win in a situation and this is the first time when they introduced it as well that system of you know microtransaction in games and ea has been very popular about it and obviously the ubisoft execs thing that was giving them more greens in a way and it did you see their earnings giving them more revenue than before through microtransactions. And that is why they continue to support the model to this day. Unfortunately, that is still the case even now. Uh, you see that there are now record record high sales of microtransactions with Valhalla. And you see most of the post-launch content is not about the DLCs or the new quests. It's mainly the cosmetics. Cosmetics are the... <clears throat> Sadly, cosmetics are the future, and it kind of sucks. Yeah. But 
really Ubisoft had a winner. Had like Odyssey started it this this winner in my opinion, and Origins had it, and so did Valhalla. But Valhalla sucks, and it needs to be bigger, and actually more important, and that is Redder. Now, Redder is broken completely. The whole Opal idea is not good in my opinion. But it's the idea of it's just an excuse. I would say but, for a merchant. Yeah, but in my opinion, they do have the potential of making Redder. A unique point, this is why a lot of mobile games are really better with their M10X, because if you can buy it, all mobile games that I've played, because I actually study heavily on pay-to-win, because I'm very, I am a very freemium customer, I don't spend money on games if I can help it, unless I buy them outright or DLCs. And a lot of them have options to earn in these, these gear with yeah. in-game currency, but in the problem with Reddit is they're split up. So yeah. in the future, you shouldn't have to be like, have an arm brace of week one, week 20, have the leg brace. You should have like full sets constantly on sale for an in-game currency, not Opal, because I think Opal's is stupid. I really think it should just be, you know, if it's, I'm going to use Syndicate because I'm British and pounds make a lot more sense in my brain. Mm-hmm. But if it should be like, if Syndicate had a redder, your in-game currency of pounds should be able to be spent on the Redder store as well. Now, how much yeah. gold you can get in Blooming Valhalla, which you don't need, I'd rather spend that in a Redder shop to get some of the MTX items. This was available for Origins. Um, in If you go to Origins, instead of spending the money-based currency, you can use your in-game currency to buy up uh, the sets uh, from what you earn in uh, Origins as you play through. Um, it- but for Odyssey onwards is when they started forming this unique currency for that particular system and not anywhere else. Uh, I forgot what it was called, but it was that is the only currency that you'd use to get the microtransaction-based uh, gear sets. And that practice followed through Valhalla, and here we are, unfortunately. On Origins, you've just dragged my memory. I remember because it was it's three thousand gold to get a chest, yeah. and that always gives you like a really good item from the MTX. And I remember I had more enjoyment of playing the game when I was trying to one hundred percent and keep going back to the merchant because I wasn't doing ridiculous, stupid side activities. I wasn't doing anything daft, hunting for secret currency. It was just literally okay. I'm sat on a ton of gold. I've 100%ed the map. What can I buy? Oh, I can buy one of these. All right, I'm back off playing the game, you know, trying to 100% some other bits, get some more photos. Hey, look, I'm back on 3,000 gold. I'll go spend it. You know, it's a healthy loop. So for the future, take away opals and the ridiculous side quests because I really, I've never done them. And just one huge currency. No one will complain. When you literally sat on too much coin, and I'll find ha- ways to earn more of that currency. Yeah. Like, if, if you notice, like, most of the patches that I... This is one thing I find ridiculous, is that when players find these ridiculous... Like, not ridiculous, they do find ways to earn more money. The first thing Ubisoft does is not to fix the major issues that hinders other players' progress, but is to patch these... Uh, I, would, I wouldn't want to say exploits. It's more of a ways to earn more money. And they would just like patch it out instantly. 
and I, f- I find that like I understand that they want to make players play the game how it is intended, but the reason why the players tend to do that is because the game is hard to earn money in that manner, and that forced them to force their hand. So the only other way is microtransactions, and players definitely don't want to spend more money than they want to. So this actually comes to a point that me and James discussed in the last episode, is that looking at the future, they're not going forward, they're going back. And by that I mean, we discussed in the last episode some RPG mechanics that were actually in the older games, because everyone keeps thinking Origins was the first RPG when it wasn't. But when you look at the Mont- Montenegro Villa, the Homestead in SF3, and the Great Iguana, um, Iguna, and Black Flag, they all have an economy system to earn economy. You know, you send ships out with, to get trade. And then you look at Ravensport, and all you're really doing is increasing the food buff when you buy new buildings, which is pointless. And it's like... And you get nothing back. Yeah. As one of the first complaints I had when I was playing Valhalla, I was like, yeah, I'm like sort of like the Jarl of, the, of this particular area, but I get absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. I bring in the gold, I bring in everything, but yet I have to pay more shit for my own city sort of thing. That's why it's weird, you know, for a game that's always looking to the future, why did Ravenspot go back as if it's a, as if it Ravenspot to me feels like something that AC2 should have had like mm-hmm. no offense because I think I do like Ravenspot but AC2 was the first one to give us a fully fledged economy system by building mm-hmm. why couldn't we have had that in Valhalla you know I hate river raids but I would have actually been more inclined to do the river raids to go back to Ravenspot to build buildings if I'm getting an income of gold or something. Yeah. It feels super bus. dead. It feels super dead after upgrading as well. Like after you max out everything that you need for that particular building, it becomes super dead for even approaching that in Valhalla. I've actually not got past it past four yet. Oh, I just God. I don't no, I, I like what they've done and I love the design of it, but I just don't see the point of upgrading the buildings. There's mm-hmm. just no agency to do in it and that's like a problem that the future series need to do there needs to be agency and i don't know if i'm using the term correctly but like that new leaked update is meant to be more mastery challenges there's no agency to go back in the game and finish the mastery challenges they're not supposedly we're not sure whether it comes within (laughs) the next week or so um but yeah But there's also there's no agency to jump back into the river raids. Mm-hmm. So for the future, they need to find a way of giving players more agency to get back into the game. Because I would say a purpose, a sense of purpose. Yeah. So uh, one way that I see the older games doing, like for example, let's take AC two because this is where it introduced to RPG and its mechanics is the reason why players go and invest money in Monterey Journey is that. The moment you go back, something new, you have the sense of discovery every time you do, and you earn something back. Your money becomes full, so that's the reason why you go back. And with more money, you can build up more, uh, you can build up monetary journey to what it is now, and still reap rewards for it, which gives, in turn, give you more access to more weaponaries, more systems, etc. 
that is such a good system and it's such a stable system as well now the economy seems very empty very bare bones that it is pointless to do any of them at this point i think someone else that would work and i'm taking cues from destiny here and i know it's really bad is for the seasonal stuff live service I know everyone's going to complain because I'm not. I'm suggesting you know just reuse assets here, but every month or every new season, give us a five to ten hour epilogue mission set in England, so you don't have to make a new world or anything. I just I look at look at Avor for example. You know the first season after you've completed the uh, main campaigns. I'm going to say first season into 2021 for example. You should have had like a five-town mission where Eivor is doing work, a whole storyline around Ravensforp. So she's like helping people with now that she's a clan leader. She has to do some missions for Haven because he may have uh, found found some more information about what Alfred's up to. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just five to ten hour epilogue stuff every new season update that yeah. over a year would fill out basically a whole. DLC story over would give a purpose. So that's the thing. That's another thing that uh, AC needs to address in the future games is how they can handle DLCs in terms of an epilogue. So far, the DLCs in Valhalla had their entry level so low that it did not make sense. It did not make sense to the plot. It did not make sense for the DLCs as well. Um, for example, I completed the entire journey. And the entry level for Dawn of, no, sorry, for Wrath of the Druids was the very first level of the settlement. And the same for the Siege of Paris, where I expected to meet uh, Rolo, um, the one that we meet in Valhalla. And we never got that opportunity. And it didn't make sense of why I would have a relationship with someone from France here, or how is that affecting Ravensorp in the final battle with uh, Alfred? It had no consequence, no, none whatsoever. And see, I, I can understand, you know, locking content is very difficult, mm-hmm. but instead of locking it behind like a mechanic like Ravensorp, why can't they just unlock it after a certain story arc is completed? So once you've completed the Hampshire arc, this DLC unlocks, you know, it then gives no player the sense of, you know, oh, well, I'm going to have to rush through Ravensforth, I'm going to have to rush this and unlock it, because some people may have unlocked Ravensforth level 6 and not even started the story, so they're getting DLC, but if I just complete the Hampshire arc, which is the very last arc, and next, you know, Dawn of Ragnarok unlocks, or someone else unlocks and even especially with Don Ragnarok having no modern day if that unlocked after the finding of Fenrir mission mm-hmm. and you got to play it that DLC in that as as the first DLC you know instead of Rafa Druid that would have worked you know yeah. because it's flowing so nicely you know oh, now you've completed the Hampshire arc and the game credits scrolled you've unlocked Rafa the Druids that exactly. would have worked. But Eivor should age as well. <laughs> yeah. So, I didn't yeah. I one of the things that I expected in uh Dawn of Ragnarok was that we had um supposed leaks that Eivor looks older. 
and I was expecting to see older Eivor um, in that fight in for Dan of, Dawn of Ragnarok to see that, like, you know, whether how how the epilogue is being treated right now, how the modern day is being treated right now. And there was absolutely no answers. But yeah, this is more turning into Valhalla rather than uh, what we talk about future of AC. So that is something Ubisoft needs to address on how to introduce ways to bring the players in continuity with the games, the experience that they're playing through. I don't mind if I'm if if the DLC would need some sort of a level requirement, as long as it has a good continuity with the plotline, rather than just like hoping that everybody would play it in the in as soon as they play. Assassin's Creed, uh, whatever the next title would be. I really think looking at the future of the franchise, this shouldn't be live service. Yeah, like, no microtransactions is what I say, but they're not going to change that. I The only live service arc that I would like to see part of the franchise, in my own opinion, is if they created their own streaming platform for Assassin's Creed only. And I know people are going to be like, oh, that sounds horrible. But as somebody who really loves Game Pass, because I'm not really, I can't buy games outright. I can pay monthly subscriptions every now and then. Imagine if you could pay a monthly subscription just for Assassin's Creed stuff, where you could get oh, all Assassin's Creed games. If Even if you got free comics as well on it. Like, that's the big thing. They need to make, to be honest, they need to make like a Disney Plus Game Pass type thing for Assassin's Creed, that gives us free access to free comics because that is one of the biggest blocks in the franchises. The I think they already have Ubisoft Plus, but it is already pricey, like way costlier than, um, I think it was £15, I think, for Ubisoft Plus subscription. And for Game Pass, it's much cheaper. I think it's, what, $9? $9, 9 Pounds, I think. I'm not sure. See, the issue I'm thinking with, with like the future of the franchise and Ubisoft Plus is Ubisoft Plus is a good way for people to, I know it, pricey, experience, you know, the games and the future games. But having a, like, a live service Game Pass model for Assassin's Creed that gives players or fans access to free comics because, and maybe discounts or free books. And the reason I'm saying that is they're weighing so heavily on transmedia that in the future there's going to be so much disconnection between the law and the franchise. The Mei Ching comic that came out or a novel um, is not canon. That's yeah. wrong. The Heresy novel, which I've just finished, which was fantastic, really set up a lot of Templar ideologies and Templar ideas that the games never explore. Mm-hmm. You know, Hayfam's story for Assassin's Creed 3, if you just play the game, he's a one monotone character. But you read Forsaken, oh my god, he's so fleshed out. So, for the future, they need to balance that heavily. And if they have a live service model where you can get free access to the transmedia, you're creating a perfect balance for fans to catch up and on this law that they're refusing to touch in the games. But if you do that for the future of AC, the thing is, it is not varied or... Um, I feel that it's not as varied or um, 
the thing about that is it, it is already a franchise and it is not varied enough to capture interests for a future growth which is something that Ubisoft wants and i don't think that would be what future of ac would be but it's pretty interesting to to discuss nonetheless like i hope the future model that ubisoft would have as sort of a subscription service would include the external services that they provide uh, apart from games that they produce but also through comics and uh, transmedia as well cuz that well this whole talk actually brings us on to the next part for like the hold for the future and you know what we what i actually hope they don't do for the future and that's <clears throat> hide law in transmedia no like, i would say no to that like, yeah not to be rude the german saga for valhalla is pretty good you know it's a good book it opens up some other world but no laws hidden and yeah. again you read heresy which is fantastic and then you think well hang on a minute this is a new light of the templars i've never seen because in the games templars are just the bad guys but in this one really the templars look weird <laughs> i don't know how to say it about spoiling the book but the templars look yeah, different from what we know in the does. games yeah. black the black cross um which is mm-hmm. the um otzerberg's like sigma team is made into is comes from transmedia and yet that's a pivotal point of the law heck as i keep demanding the games should focus on the instruments of the first will no they're a transmedia thing so for the future they need to pull out of this rut they're in where they should i know i'm gonna get so much backlash for this. If that's the case, what I would say is that they need to have some sort of an isolated lore that would work for the transmedia. Um, and what is there in the game can refer to that isolated lore, but it needs to have its own continuity, not in a way that affects um, the player experience for those who are joining in for the first time. Right? Like, for example, say like there's this person who's like, hey, for example, in Steam, currently, you can get older AC games, like, for example, Black Flag, uh, Unity, Syndicate, and Rogue, in a, like, in a bundle. And players tend to get that uh, if once if they want to shut up their money. And when they do, if there is a huge disconnect between, say, Black Flag and Rogue, meaning because of the transmedia in between, that will affect the player experience. Because they think that's the chronological order to play. But it doesn't work. So I would say that if they keep it isolated in a way that even though the game refers to the isolated lore, it does not affect the continuity of the existing lore that pushes into the games. It would it would work pretty well in, under that model uh, to have a proper lore of, say, for example, Templars or Assassins um, and not put very big lore, like, for example, Juno, you know what, in a comic. <laughs> See, that is one fix, you know, because, like, The Last Descendants, I know I've only read the first book, mm-hmm. that opens a lot of Lord tra- stuff. But the only reference to that in games is Odin's Sight, which is mm-hmm. in the third book, and it's also in Valhalla. That's pretty good. You know, it opens up AC lore very well, but it doesn't discontinue, but it doesn't really break the lore of a game. Right. But I think the other way 
is not I know this is gonna get me some backlash from some fans, but Ubisoft need to stop being scared of the stories they've written. I get it's an Assassin's Creed game. I understand that Assassin have got to be in it. But if an Assassin's Creed novel is allowed to call itself Assassin's Creed something and feature a Templar storyline, just like Assassin's Creed Rogue, mm-hmm. then the future games shouldn't be afraid to do that as well. Like I would that's that. Yeah, uh, I think we had this conversation in our first podcast where uh, <laughs> we talked about um, how, uh, whether assassins need to be in Assassin's Creed anymore. And uh, I, I still maintain with that, is that if you're having it in a franchise system, uh you can have it named something else, like from the world of Assassin's Creed, the Templar lore, whatever we want to call it, uh, rather than saying like Assassin's Creed something, and then when you go through the entire journey of experience the book, you don't find assassins at all. So that's what I feel, but yeah, I understand your point as well. I think that is always the hardest part, and but I think it's the one thing I've always. And I you know, learned it through heresy, and I'm going to touch on a little bit here, and I'm going to do a proper book for you later, is the whole modern day is Templar only. Mm-hmm. The past stuff is you play as someone who trains an assassin but never joins the assassins, but you actually work alongside the assassins. And to me, that was phenomenal. That was pretty good. And I was like, that could translate in a game as an Assassin's Creed game because you are playing as an assassin, you are uh, doing assassin stuff, but fundamentally it is a Templar game. Because, well, Templar storyline. Right. Or retrospectively, because they haven't, technically I'm not, they haven't touched on it, but the whole modern day could be AC3 style assassin's missions, you know, breaking and entering to get PCP items. That's your groundbreaking assassin knowledge. But the assassin's memory you're visiting turn is a Templar. He was never an assassin, he was a Templar. That is very interesting, so, Declan. So because, again, because since we're talking about Future of AC, we need to talk about how the uh, games can... Perp- like, in future, this should progress in a way. And for that, the crucial element is the modern day. Obviously, we have seen takes where, like, modern day is so disconnected. Uh, there are a lot of issues with that as well, mainly because of the disconnectivity we see with transmedia and with uh, the main games um, but they are essential and this brings that that is where the lore of assassin's creed is very important in modern day to progress the future of ac in my opinion and that's where the whole pivotal point of you know the whole franchise is modern day and the past aren't separate the two the, the one and the same essentially so you could argue that the modern day could be Assassin's only, but the past is Templar only. Does that make an Assassin's Creed game? Well, yes, because everything you're doing in the modern day is Assassin's. If you're working for an Assassin cell, you're doing AC style, AC freestyle missions where you're exploring, you know, very small, linear, open-ended environments doing Assassin missions. There's your Assassin's Creed content. But just because the past is what a Templar who doesn't do parkour or social stealth, that it should now be shipped off as 
the world of Assassin's Creed because to me that doesn't say, feel fair. I will say it is fair mainly because one the that is where we need to draw the line of what you're majorly experiencing as. If the lore is or if you were playing as the um the majority of it as an assassin, then yeah, Assassin's Creed title is well deserved. But if you're playing something more of a Templar or more of something else, uh, it would deviate from the experience, and it would be something else in its in its set, in its essence itself. So it would come under the franchise of like from the Assassin's Creed lore rather than being an Assassin's Creed fan. And this is where my biggest point that I have as a worry as a fan for fifteen years, where the future of Assassin's Creed is actually not bright. And I don't yeah. mean to be down, but the franchise, is like, it's one thing where what I don't kind of can't wrap my head around is the fact that the game spent 10 years of just assassins only in the past. And I have no complaints of assassins versus Templar stories, and I never will. But then they're allowed to market, you know, Assassin's Creed Black Cross, a Templar only story, you know, Assassin's Creed Heresy. An assassin, uh, basically a Templar-only story. The Assassin's Creed. I would say the major cause of that is, um, I may be biased in this, uh, is that the lack of diversity in settings. Uh, you notice the settings that we have so far for European, either European, American, and very, very rarely into Egypt. But even then, it is... It is so predominantly of a singular culture that it is very hard to find a unique experience for an assassin, for a Templar to explore it. And I feel that that would be more explored if they had gone for a more diverse setting. For example, Asia settings or uh, uh, the southern, um, like South Africa, uh, South America, African, uh, African uh we have African Isos, why not an African-based um, Assassin's Creed? Um, apart from Egypt, that is. We need to go more south. And that will be something that will be fun to explore. So, yeah. And see, this is why, I, why I'm saying that the future doesn't look bright. It's because everybody is expecting an Assassin game, an Assassin game, an Assassin game. And if they give a Templar, you are right in saying that you know it should be from the world of Assassin's Creed. Which then, in my opinion, they should never market comics as Assassin's Creed, Black Cross, Templar story. But then, as Darby rightly said in the podcast that we did with him, you know, it's not always able to make that clean break in history. Mm-hmm. You can't always make a clean break of, well, this person's fundamentally bad, so they're going to be a Templar, so this yeah. person can it's be a choice. Assassin. It's always been a choice. Yeah. So, with the understanding of, history is impossible to make a clean break between good and evil, assassin versus templar, then the franchise predominantly focusing only on assassins in the early days has made this future where they could pick different time zones in different parts of the world that they've never explored. But if they can't make a clean break for assassins versus templars, so they try and write it off as, you know, the modern day will feature heavily on the assassins. Like, so much more that You'll have an open-ended missions where you're proper assassin and you're doing assassin stuff in the real world, watchdog style. I wouldn't want that, I know, but just using it as an example. And the past is more templar-based. Then, yeah, it, 
To be honest, that sounds so cool that I really want it now, and I've been missing that for a long time.
and that was that effect still remains so which is pretty interesting the, it's stuff like that, that i really love but i think it's just as an assassin's creed fan for 15 years since day one and looking at the future i don't want another game where i'm strapped into the animus and i'm playing as another assassin you know rogue was one of the most uniquest games i ever played it actually gave me more joy than any of the past games before it because Shay turned Templar, you know, it was this unique look into the Templar world, and it was a great Assassin's Creed game for it, but it was too short. Mm-hmm. And I'm in this mindset that now Assassin's Creed has always been about the Templars, the Assassins, and the ones that came before. To then say, you know, right, for the next game is another Assassin, for the next game is an Assassin, but we're also going to start a new franchise now called From the World to Assassin's Creed, where you get to play as Templars. To me, that's kind of like unfair on fans because a lot of fans may not have the money to keep up with that. I know I don't. <laughs> so being able to play an Assassin's Creed game in the future where if the modern day is Assassin's only and the past is Templar, that'll be perfect as long as I'm getting that fluidity, that social stealth. That I wouldn't mind system. paying for the Templar. So that's the thing, right, Declan? You are assuming the fact that this is an isolated event. But if they are together, like from the world of Assassin's Creed and Assassin's Creed, that um, together as a concept, it would be pretty fun. Like, well, what if we had a duality of a game, right? Like, in one side, we play as the Assassin. And maybe the next playthrough, we play as the Templar. See how the histories play out. That'd be pretty fun to play um, as in terms of a player and in terms of a consumer for entertainment. Because not only you're playing as... A protagonist you're also playing as the antagonist of the series which is pretty fun i would say i would say they're together they are they they're not exclusive but they're inclusive of each other and but again if you're prioritizing unexperience with assassins templars need to uh templars would obviously would be on the lower end of that spectrum but it doesn't mean that they need to be excluded out from the experience. You need to have a little bit of the Templar experience of the or the empathizing nature of it uh, to understand their perspective. But if you want to bring a Templar experience into it, I wouldn't say it would be an Assassin's Creed, uh, a perfect future for an Assassin's Creed game. And I think that's where things get... Cause again, yeah, it's blurry, yeah. This is, like, the problem with Ubisoft is that Rogue technically is is essentially, in my opinion, what is their way of saying from the world of Assassin's Creed because technically you buy Rogue and then the next main game, you know, the main line entry in the series is Unity. Unity. Yeah. So technically you're buying all the games up to Unity as an Assassin's Creed game, but then you have to buy Rogue separate as a Templar game. I couldn't see them listening to this idea and not going, okay, I like this, so for 40 bucks, you buy the next Assassin's Creed game. But the thing is, as a dedicated but, person for, like, if, I understand what you're trying to say, like, if it's isolated from the bundle of saying, like, Assassin's Creed and from the universe of Assassin's Creed, would the players have the opportunity, would have the, uh, the prerequisite knowledge to buy both the games at the same time? So that's what you're trying to say. Yeah, it, it's that really 
it, it's basically looking at the future of Assassin's Creed is bleak because, in my opinion, they've built the fundamentals of Assassin's yeah. Creed, and I'm not going to disagree. I think there are there. To be an Assassin-only game, the fundamentals are there, and they've always been there, but that's, that's Ubisoft's own fault. Like, there's a great quote in Heresy where an Assassin is, you know, basically explaining what Templars are, and he says something like, oh, Templars just want world domination. And then the Templar in the modern day is like, hang on, that's not what we're after. And now, in my opinion, how do you get that in Assassin's Creed game if you are reliving the memory of an assassin as an assassin? You're Which not is why it then... is important. So that is what I'm saying. They're not exclusively each other. If you So when I'm saying experience of Assassin's Creed, I'm not excluding the experience of a Templar. The Templar philosophies are what makes me why it is meaningful for an assassin to make that choice for that particular character. It is not like exclusive of the knowledge of the Templar being there just for the sake of being a villain. Um, this is one thing that I had an issue with Syndicate. If, sorry for fans of Syndicate. I The reason why I didn't like it is because they showed Templars to have a motivation of pure evil with nothing in between that could uh, stabilize the society, what they were looking for, what was their main goal in, in future. And that threw me off as a fan of the series. So having that unique gray experiences, uh, again, Darby said it's not gray, it's the choice that, 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 gives you, that gives that perspective, the meaning of making that choice. They have the same answers uh, they want to reach the same answers, but it's the choice of what they do that differs. And if we're both being brutally honest, if we look at use of track record, and this actually yeah, is no. a clear <laughs> reflection on the future of the franchise, you have every game, not kind of Rogue, is an assassin game. Bottom line, Rogue is a filler game that you have to buy separately to experience Templar. Oh, and if you want any decent Templar law, go by the Transmedia. That, to me, is already dividing fans because some of the stuff I learned in Heresy about the Templars was stuff that I wish the games told me. Like, that's not fair that I had to buy a book to tell me that law. Yeah, but that's the fault of Ubisoft as well for setting yes. up that black and white nature. And But the thing is, in order to achieve that, that doesn't mean you need to isolate the experience of an assassin as well. Mainly because they have built the reputation of the name assassins in Assassin's Creed. So that is what I'm trying to set up here. And uh, if they do it, it would already, it is being alienated. We've seen that happening with the last three games. And it's it will cause even more heavier rifts as we go down the line. So really, looking at the future, it's finding the balance. Yes. Is the finding the balance is going to be hard because Ubisoft, in my opinion, have weighed too heavily on just being an assassin. You know, they've never, yeah. you know, Black Flag's one of the best out there because of its unique approach to, you know, you get the mentality of both sides of the Templars and the assassins, and you eventually side with the assassins. Exactly. In my opinion, in my opinion, you know, as um, people say, well, when you play as the Templar, you know, you don't get the parkour or the freedom. Well, technically, when you look at Black Flag, Edward 
shouldn't be able to do all them parkour. He was never trained. When you read the Black Flag novel, he was just a farmer. So he was never trained to scale, free run, leap of faith. I would say because of him being a privateer would have gained in that skills, but that's just me uh, trying to make sense. Uh, again, the skills of assassins, like for example, parkouring, is not unique to assassins alone. Tempest did it too. Um, for example, the best example for this is Maria. Maria Torque from AC1. She knew parkour. She knew um, how to outrun Altair, but does that mean that she's an assassin prior to meeting Altair? I don't think so. She's an assassin uh, through throughout so yeah so technically you could build you know a temple story in the past yeah. technically and mm-hmm. still have the fluidity because you know maybe templars want to get to understand their enemy so how can a templar outsmart an assassin you think like an assassin right that would make sense and the biggest one that the franchise for the future should really look at is eagle vision Eagle Vision isn't just a bloodline trait for assassins. Anybody can get it. It's a chief mechanic it. for gamers like uh, like <laughs> me who can't uh, recognize shit, whether it's an enemy or a friendly pair. <laughs> no, I'm going to agree there, but I think, in my opinion, the, the franchise refuses to talk about this. I think it's stupid, and I think the future should. Why can't Templars have Eagle Vision? If it's based on the percentage of Isu DNA, why are Templars excluded? Come on. I don't think they're excluded. For example, Hatham did have Eagle Vision. They had the sense of awareness to do so. Uh, then you have... Um, who else? I would say they are honed towards finding... Their methods might differ, which is why they're not honed toward it. But they do have that. If they are focusing on that particular skill set, they might do that. For example, there is this, um, if I'm not wrong, in AC Revelations, there was this assassin who betrayed the Brotherhood. He became a Templar and he started killing up assassins. Obviously, he wouldn't have done that if he did not have eagle vision of some sort. So I think my whole point is just basically the idea of the franchise should, in the future, yeah. explore these ideas as being more universal than just, oh, it's an assassin thing. I would Parkour, say, yeah. It's just an assassin yeah. thing. No. But I would say that would happen only if it's diverse in their approach, and they're not. Um, that is in terms of setting, in terms of the narrative, not a male protagonist, again, come on, we had enough of that. And um, something that's away from what we have already seen for 15 games. Something that's new. Something that's new that would that would revitalize the series, that would be the best way. But yeah, uh, um, I don't think that um, like revisiting a previous setting in an older, older time period would help. Like what they did with Valhalla. Um, of course, the Roman Empire, the remains of the Roman Empire was super interesting. But again, it's still England. We have been to London. We had these similar experiences before, but through a Norse eyes, that was different. That is new, and that's what players want to find and uh, want to experience a different perspective into looking through the order, looking through the eyes of the character itself. And that's what I want in the future for an Assassin's Creed, and I hope they find the right balance moving forward. 
I've just had a brainwave for such a cool idea for an Assassin's Creed game now. Oh, for me, it's just playing as Mario Torque. <laughs> <laughs> but I just thought, imagine an Assassin's Creed game that its backdrop isn't some huge revolutionary read all about it, history textbooks event. It's just a normal moment in history. But you play it as, get with me, a civilian to start with. I know mm-hmm. people are like, oh no. That discovers they have eagle vision and they think they're going crazy. And the Templars try and, you know, kidnap them because, you know, maybe you could play like, a few memories, like two or three, where you're like siding with the Templars because they're giving you all this, all this false hope. Because maybe they don't, they think you're like a sage or you've got a high sense of Picasso DNA. So they're trying to. You what know, if we combine that and become Maria Torpe? <laughs> <laughs> all right, Listen. baby. Because but because that's like, that's basically the plot. If if we have followed her plot line, is that she believed that the Templar Order was the uh, epitome of her truth, or her her choice. But after being with Altair, she chose the that the Templar Order is not the truth. It was being with the assassins that the truth does not exist anymore, and truth is not true. Nothing is true. Everything is permitted situation. And she became an assassin. So that is very, that'll be very interesting. See, that is what I mean by an interesting experience is that you need to have unique experiences, unique pathways to different protagonists. And that cannot be said if every single protagonist comes through the same nature or the same culture where they come through. See, there's a lot they could do in the future. So one last question for the future. And yes. it's the big one that I will literally spend hours and hours and hours racking my brain. And I've only got two answers that are just stupid, idiotic, and all I can think of. And after the answer, is, yeah, after answering that, I want to know that answer, but let's go. How can the franchise organically end? Hmm. Organically end. Because Considering the pathway of how the series is moving forward they need to end it within the modern day. That is how it ends. You progress through the modern day. The way how the game starts is through the modern day. You start with the modern day, you end with the modern day. You don't end with the mythological uh, backlash or their core being burnt out into the animus, no. Or you experience it only through history, moments in history, no. You'd you have that consequence in modern day. And that consequence is what made you to lead that choice in modern day to end the story then and there. I think that's the best way to end the franchise in a way um, is to finish. Well, if you have started in the Animus, finish it up within the anim- with the Animus after the Animus. So basically the modern day and you get that choice with that knowledge and use it. That is what I feel should be the perfect ending. But again, it's subjective mainly because it's what I wish. But I want to hear your idea, what you call stupid and crazy. I think it's really hard as well because Hal have already always perceived the assassins versus Templars like a flip of the coin, both sides. You can't write a story where assassins win or just Templars win. You've got to mm-hmm. find a balance and that's really going to be hard to achieve. How do you write an organic ending where 
no, where not one just wins, you know, without just saying, hey, Templars win, end up, game over, or Assassins win, game over, because as Hayfam's already described, the Templars would never really die because they don't have a creed to follow. That is it's not an order. That's the same thing with Assassins, right? Because the principles behind them remains. So that's pretty great. That's pretty good. It is, but then it just also had the issue if them ideals never stop, how can a game about order versus freedom ever end? Because one can never win the other. There has to be an equilibrium. A but, that is, but that is because we're looking for the past. It all The answer is always within the modern day. You are looking to the past for your answers, what you're looking for. But it is the decision that you make in modern day that reflects it. So that's how I say the series ends. See, I had two ideas how the series ends, but they're not good. I know, I know. Like the way how Ubisoft sets up right now, like we've discussed this prior to the talk, like how mythology arc runs through. They're going to milk us dry in terms of mythology, and that is going to happen. But I hope they make it diverse enough that it'll keep my attention for the coming few years at least. But at the moment, they, I have lost hope in a way. I just hope that, that it becomes revitalized again. I think, in my opinion, my out of the two ways to end the series my serious ending that I think could work that I would see them setting up with their Basim is an Isu human civil war back in modern day oh that yeah that, Basim, would, that would be that would be cool I think it would work so well that Basim in the first Israel's the first will uh, managed to resurrect Isu and the assassins and Templars realise that their philosophies are one and the same just yeah, the method. It's, it's just a major truth. It is the truth. So, so what yeah. if they did a ceasefire to defeat the temple at the Isu uprising? And that ceasefire and that defeat of the Isu is what ends the series. Could be. That's my serious answer. I've got a more stupid answer. But no, that is a, because that's very plausible considering how they have set it up. Like for example, with uh we have discussed this with Donna Ragnarok, Suter could be the vessel for the flare to constantly happen every billion years as the cycle repeats. We're not sure because one, we see him as an entity, but we have not seen him as an object of sorts. It sounds weird when I say that. I don't mean it in uh, any other context. It's just that uh, when you take Suter, as you as we have talked about, like whether he's the, why is he constantly being revived every now and then? What if he is the cycle that ends it all? So that's a very pretty interesting concept for them to explore. A lot of possibilities as well. Uh, But I hope they make it explicit to the members and not through hidden messages. That takes hours to find out. And uh, yeah. And that would capture my attention if it's much shorter in a way. Well, I have an ending idea that will not capture your attention and will have everyone in the planet rioting. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I've thought about it as a joke ending, but if it actually happened, I would riot. So imagine you do all this modern day stuff to defeat the Templars, the Templars defeat it, and then there's another total catastrophe and everything gets wiped out. No matter how much Layla and the Raider work, they can never find a way to stop it. 
and then the screen goes black, credits roll, there's a mid-credits scene where an Isu steps out of an Animus device and says, yeah, this simulation didn't work either, the end, and we're left wondering, wait, so the past 15 games were just a simulation? They didn't really happen? <laughs> so you just Screw this, I'm yeah. not playing. No, this is that would probably would be super pissed. I'd be super pissed if that happened to me. But considering how uh, the adventure has been, it is possible. It's extremely plausible how how crazy the ideas have been. So yeah. As you imagine though, you're like you've done it. You're like wow, such an impactful ending. The Templars are finally defeated. You've done such a good job. <laughs> Me and yeah, I'm sorry guys, but 56 didn't work, you know, we followed Desmond, he didn't do anything good, we followed some initiates, they didn't do anything good, and we followed Layla Hassan, and she didn't do anything good, so... I would say that would be probably be Minerva, if, if anyone's gonna do that, it's gonna be Minerva. Just Minerva just swagging in, like, sir, look, look, Desmond didn't pan out, the initiates didn't pan out, Layla Hassan didn't pan out, we're all screwed. You know, the future couldn't save us, neither in the past. The end Assassin's Creed, you've just played 15, 20 odd years. What that if. That wasn't real. What if, like, that would be interesting. Like, say, what if, like, um, the one of the part of the calculation was that the ending, the true ending was to stop the Salakar itself. And that was the answer they were looking for in the simulations. And that took, that took several simulations for them to achieve that. And um, what if when Minerva talks to Ezio, we all think, it's like, oh my god, they found a way to talk to the future. No, it's just Minerva talking to the subject, remembering Desmond's memories for a simulation. <laughs> oh god, that is way convenient than what I had, but okay. <laughs> just Everyone just like, on the controllers, like, what has just happened? I've been playing this game for years, I am now an old man, and now you tell me that Minerva didn't talk to Ezio. It's just a fake simulation that was yeah. set up because the But that, that would make sense, mainly because what if they would, that was the answer the Isus were looking for and the only way to do that is to end it within the cycle that they exist themselves. So they exist as gods, they exist in human lore, but not as Isus, but as gods themselves. And that's the end of their story. They save the humans. Yeah, they save the humans. <laughs> yeah, they save the humans from any future catastrophes ever happening again. And no, Desmond does not die. There are no assassins, no Templars. The world is having the normal history that it's supposed to have. Why does that sound more of an actually fluid ending than trying to say an assassins or Templars win? Why does oh you know what? If it actually ended like that and it was just to save humans from themselves like oh my god i don't think i could plan if they like completely said that all the assassins versus templar conflict was just you know a simulation and you know now they know what not to do now if you is make... going to listen to this i'm like i'm sorry i don't want to spoil it but that's just speculation <laughs> please give us a nice satisfying ending because even though this ending's yeah. pretty cool I really would not know how to feel if I've just... Basically, I started this game when I was 12 years old. I am now 27 playing Valhalla. I don't want to be 40 and then saying, yeah, when you started 12 years old, did you know that wasn't real? It was just a simulation in a simulation. 
of an ESU simulation all this time. I'd still be like, I mean, considering how we have been with the mythologies, I don't, I don't mind going all the way back. <laughs> to be honest, I still would shit my head. I'm like, I'm not being rude. I set up an amazing podcast. I met amazing people. And all this time, we were parading around as an ESU in a simulation of a simulation of a simulation. My brain. Or to find well. the answer. I mean, that would make sense, right? If Aminara, she found her answer, finally, that the answer was not to be in that conflict, but to stop the Salakar itself from ever happening ever again. But that's the thing. It works. But then that it wouldn't be satisfactory because I don't want something to say, ha-ha, 12 gotcha. years. Gotcha. Yeah. didn't actually exist. It's just another reality. Mm-hmm. Oh, because technically, the Yggdrasil device does prove that there is multiverse mm-hmm. in simulation. So, oh, the yeah. horror. But what if, what if the end route of that Yggdrasil is going all the way back? Like, we start with that. Like, it goes, it keeps growing, right? Where does it end? Uh, what if the what? So the end is the beginning, essentially yeah. the root of Yggdrasil, because the yeah. root is where it starts and where it ends. The sun yeah, so basically we have come full circle. The philosophy of life, bullshit, and then end of Assassin's Creed. Done. Credits roll. I will be taking my million dollar check now. So yeah. <laughs> I just wouldn't know how to feel if that was just like. And, and like a 20 minute cutscene and I wouldn't mind watching a 20 minute cutscene I'm not a monster, I think that'd be pretty cool of you know, them just explaining Minerva like, you know, we need to hide all our peace feedings before the soul fire happens, we need to make sure humans never find it so they don't fight amongst themselves with it, let's yeah. stop that history because they were too busy fighting themselves that they because that would make didn't... sense, that would make sense because we didn't have relics of power that is affecting our current history, but it still happens but without the effects of the um, objects of power affecting us in our current history. But imagine if they did that and then they showed like the real history and we're all just like Isu-ish people that actually managed to survive a solar flare. And that's the true ending of the franchise is the fact of without them interfering that humans evolve into Isu-like beings that actually managed to survive all future total catastrophes. And it all happened because we players played 15 odd years of simulations of Assassin's Creed. To find the perfect answer. And then, yes, to find the answer. We did it. We solved the original of Assassin's Creed. Done and dusted. Uh, Now we have to wait for another 20 more games, don't we? (laughs) Because technically, you are right. Because if you look at the Assassin's Creed glyphs from Assassin's Creed 2, the first Templar Order was Cain killing Abel with the Apple of Eden. That's yeah. where it all began. If they literally put everything into, like, I don't know, an Isu rocket to send it to the sun so when the solar flare comes, everything's destroyed and humans will never have objects of power, Cain will never kill Abel because of the Apple of Eden. Therefore, a Templar group may never arise from it. Therefore, assassins may never arise from it. Therefore, human history goes unaffected for so long. Abstergo is never created. And the oh Atlantis cycle breaks. The Atlantis cycle oh. actually breaks. Oh my god, my, my brain. Yeah. I mean, like, my there's brain. a lot of philosophies with it, right? Like, that's the whole thing about Assassin's Creed is the philosophies. That keeps questioning us what we do. 
and that's what SRS creates in future. So that's what we need as a perfect ending. That is according to me. Fans, it's up to you to decide. Uh, don't at me if you're going to give non-constructive criticism. But yeah, <laughs> but feel feel free to share your thoughts as well. And I'm going to spin I Craig's idea on top of his head because I like to be mean. That once you watch like twenty minutes, twenty minute cutscene and Minerva figuring out what she should do, there's another cutscene after a credit. And it turns out it's a little green alien from Mars who is watching the simulation. And the Isu aren't real, they're just aliens from Mars. So. <laughs> now you're taking but, it too far. Now it's going too far. Hey, if Desmond and uh, Lucy could leave on a spaceship in the original concept alien uh, concept art, then head cannon, an alien is literally just created the Isu for a video game and... For all we know, we don't know what Alfenheims or the elves are in Isu lore. We really don't know. So which is going to be interesting. Little green men from space. Maybe. Yeah, they're like, they find the answer. Now you come home. So yeah. So that's it. Imagine if all of this, right? The actual true ending of all this is just some person playing a video game. That's just it. It wasn't ever real. There's no Isu. There's no thought of this template. It was just somebody playing a video game for so long. Uh, <laughs> that would, actually, that would be the perfect ending for the devs. Not for us, but for the devs. <laughs> well, well, it's not there like, wait, so what? We've just played a game for 20 plus years that was about a guy playing a game for 20 plus years. Yeah, that would be the best de- development joke that they would ever pull off, and I would love to see that. But probably not as a fan of the game. But yeah, I would see. I would love to see the reaction of the devs. Like, oh my god, the fans are going to like blow their minds. They're all hyped now. Like the ending is here because they're all going excited. The ending. Yes, it was a guy called Greg playing Assassin's Creed all this time, and you've just been playing his video game sessions for 20 years. Ha! Oh, it's not real. That's I'm true. Like, <laughs> we'll just all be like crying, we'll all be on the floor like, this hurts. We devoted that, that fan art of Edward was just Greg's own imagining. <laughs> I've just ruined the franchise for everybody now. Yeah. Just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry too for instigating that. <laughs> it, could be, it could be worse. I could have suggested that Assassin's Creed is just a little green alien from Mars playing The Sims, but it's Sims Assassin's Creed edition. <laughs> oh no. Oh my god. And who is controlling the aliens? Do we know? <laughs> it, a twist. It's, it's God themselves. Uh... And then God. who's controlling the gods? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. It gets meta. <laughs> meta over meta over meta. <laughs> the god of god is controlling god who's controlling god. Infinity. Yeah. And it goes in Ouroboros fashion. Perfect. To be honest, it could be worse. The ending of the game could literally just read to be continued. Oh. Next, <laughs> yeah. next day. Assassin's Creed has been pulled. What? You've left what? Wait, what? Is it to be continued? Now you've pulled the plug on the franchise? Yeah. You've but yeah. They did that intentionally, right? So that is how they usually get the fans to, you know, 
fall for the cliffhangers and shit. So yeah. I would say AC3 had a good ending if they didn't put that cliffhanger of, you know, uh, Minerva coming out. Uh, for Valhalla, it was a good, I would say it was a very good stopper for me in terms of like, you know, hey, this is how the series would end. Uh, but they still, again, progressed it forward with Basin coming out. So, yeah. Bassins out there, but let's that is another like I'm not going to talk about the leaks because I don't touch them. But the idea of a Bassin DLC being turned into a full game is confusing the hell out of me, and I will not touch on it properly till we get news. But it's still confusing as hell. <laughs> yeah, that'll be great, uh, but it'll be amazing to see his past life in Baghdad and his probably his descent towards becoming Loki. That is what I'm interested in. That will be cool, but I think that's all we've got time for. Unless you've got anything else to discuss about the future of the franchise. Oh wow! I didn't spoil the ending to the Ubisoft devs. So what do I do now? <laughs> Just kidding. I think I'm done. I'm exhausted uh, with my resources and what I can say. Then sadly, I think that is all we've got time for tonight. Um, so the franchise is looking confusing. And is that, is the, that is the best future for AC at this point. Confusing. But we're all here for the ride. And as always, the Let's Talk Assassin's Creed show should hopefully be there for every step of the way. Unless I get terrified of the ending of being a grey man playing Sims, the Assassin's Creed edition. Who um, is run by the god then EA. We play, yeah, we played the god and then the god before that, the god before that, the god before that. So yeah, dun, the game dun, never dun. ends. Yggdrasil <laughs> is God playing Sims Assassin's Creed edition. And Ubisoft will be the uh even though Ubisoft dies out, there'll be um Assassin's Creed being there in an infinite loop going on and on and on in their loading screen. Oh crikey. So- a Jumanji, a Jumanji version of Assassin's Creed. <laughs> We broke Assassin's Creed by looking at the future. That what that is what happens when you meddle in witchcraft and get a crystal ball out. To all the seers <laughs> out there, don't look into the future of the franchise. Of Jumanji ending is like, what if like the dev throws away the code and then in some future some random indie dev will be like, doom 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 doom. Assassin's Creed. <laughs> oh Christ. I do make this version of the infinity loop. <laughs> <laughs> Creature get sucked into the portal. I'm sorry, I'm sorry for those who are tuning in. I'm really sorry. <laughs> oh boy. It, that's how the future for us feels like. It is uncertain. So that's how the future of AC would be. That's my TED talk. Thank you. <laughs> and to us, this is why it's good for just to have a laugh. You know, the future's not set in stone. We don't know what's going to happen. So, is it wrong to make wild, stupid, hilarious predictions? Well, no, because we don't know anything. So, do you want to imagine the franchise being run by an Infinity God? Why not? We don't know how it's going to end. Is it, does Desmond come back on a flying saucer saying E.T. phone home? Well, technically, Desmond phone home. Then maybe, because the future is bright, wacky, and we just don't know. 
But if you would like to offer us your own thoughts, you can email us at assassinscreed.com Offer any constructive criticism on this episode because we have quite a few strange talking points. You can message me on Twitter at AC.Stark and James at James Taylor Quid. And I, Craig, do you want to share any social media people? Right. So, uh, stock you want? Yes. so you can follow me on Twitter mainly. So it is at I, Craig underscore original. And uh, we do have an Instagram, but it's almost not. So considering <laughs> how, it, how life moves you forward. Um, so yeah, you can reach out to me there. I'll be on the EC system server as well because I'm the moderator there. And also on the AC forums, but not as active as I'm there on Sisterhood server. So see you there. And as I said, that you can pull him there. It'd be like how the Jumanji Assassin's Creed edition will pull indie devs closer to the infinity loop of Assassin's Creed. That's me off. Yes. What have I created? Okay. So before I say, we say goodbye, I do have a challenge for you content creators. Please try and design a Jumanji logo for Assassin's Creed. Ooh, if you no. can do it, because you guys have aced it. I have seen the Sabertooth Tiger picture of me, James, and Darby in Isu robes with Peace Feeding. It is now my Discord profile picture. It is just sweet. So if you can do a Jumanji Assassin's Creed mock-up, we'll be good. So thank you all, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you all. I hope you have a great day.